let's turn to John, the Gospel of John. We're going to look at John chapter 1 as well as John chapter 12. John chapter 1 and John chapter 12. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father God, that you'd encourage us and strengthen us, inspire us and challenge us as we read your word today. And Father, let your Holy Spirit rest on me to bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. It's John's version of Jesus' birth story, if you will. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then let's go over to John chapter 12. Uh, John 1 was at the beginning of Jesus' life. John 12 is toward the end, right before the crucifixion, after Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. And so we pick up the story with verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, that's non-Jewish people. So these came to Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled and What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. 
The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, I was thinking about what to talk about this Advent season. And, uh, and, and uh, a, a few of the verses that I'm going to be talking about over the next few weeks, they just began to pop into my mind and rest there. And I realized that they all circled around a, a theme, and that is, why Jesus came. Why was Jesus born of a virgin? Why was Jesus, who, as, as John tells us, was the Word who existed with God? He is God. He was God. He's the fullness of God. Why did Jesus become flesh, in the words of John, and dwell among us? Why did Jesus come? And there's a lot of reasons, and, and you ask people that statement, and they will give you a, a lot of different kinds of answers there. But I thought, 
we would look at some more explicit things. There's going to be three passages that we look at where Jesus says specifically, I have come for this purpose. I have come. This is why I have come. And then two from the, the first letter of John, 1 John, where it says the reason the Son of God appeared was the reason Jesus came. And so we're looking at why Jesus came uh, over these next few weeks uh, as we reflect on this time of year, preparing not only for the celebration of the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day, but also for the second coming of Jesus. You know, and we've been living in a time this whole year with the, the COVID crisis, the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, I mean, it's really caused a lot of us to begin reflecting on those end times that Jesus prophesied. I mean, he said that before he came, there were going to be pestilences on the earth. There were going to be wars and rumors of war. And we've heard how Ethiopia has been exploding again in a civil war. Uh, we're seeing all of this happening around us. And it really is an unfolding of the kinds of things that Jesus told us were going to happen. And so in this season, it's really important for us as we're looking to the second coming of Jesus and as we're remembering the first coming of Jesus to understand for ourselves, to strengthen ourselves with the knowledge, the reality of knowing why Jesus came. To understand for us what does it mean for our lives? What does it mean for the lives of people around us? And John tells us a lot here in these two passages. And really, you can, you can summarize it as what Jesus says here in John chapter 12. I have come as light into the world. I have come as light into the world. The world became flesh and dwelt among us to bring us light. To bring us light. Now we know that Jesus is talking metaphorically here, uh, but we also know how important light really is. And we live in a world where there is an encroaching darkness. Uh, the darkness is increasing, but also the light of Jesus is increasing in the world. Now, one of the big mistakes I think we make as Christians is to, to start thinking that the darkness somehow is going to triumph. That the darkness that is in the world through you know, all kinds of different problems, the uh, crises that we're facing from climate change to, to wars to pestilences to dysfunctional governments. I mean, it's really easy to begin to think that it's all about darkness and the darkness is increasing. And indeed, in many respects, it is increasing, but we have to understand that the light is increasing as well, and the light is Jesus. The light is Jesus. Now, when we reflect on Jesus' light, we need to understand three things about light. We need to understand the, the properties of light. We need to understand the purpose of light. And we need to understand what I'm calling, just to get the other P in there, the provocation of light. You know, I like to have P's, and, and I really worked hard on that third P. It was a, it was a challenge, I want you to know. Uh, so we're going to talk about the properties of light, the purpose of light, and the provocation of light in the context of Jesus. And there in John chapter 1, 
John really shares with us three properties of light in general that are particularly true about Jesus from a spiritual perspective. The first thing that John tells us about light in verse 4 is that light is life. Now we know that. We know that crops grow because of light. We know that we are healthier if we're exposed to sunlight. Uh, One of the big things right now is a lot of people are taking vitamin D, myself included, because we don't have the, the level of sunlight that we really need to produce that in our bodies. And we get healthier the more time we spend in the sunlight, as long as we don't get sunburn and that kind of thing. Light is all about life. We have a longing to see the light. Even people who enjoy the darkness, and I I enjoy nighttime quite a bit, but even people like myself, I, I love the light. I love to be in the light. I love to experience the light because light is life. And Jesus, as the light, brings life into the world. Jesus is the source of real life. And we're going to look at that in a few more weeks, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today. But the first property of light, according to John, is that light is life. The second property of light that we have to remember is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome the light. As I was saying just a minute ago, it doesn't matter how much the darkness in our world increases, even a small amount of light can dispel the darkness. I'm always amazed at at night, and I I often go about my house uh, without turning on the lights whenever I can, because I don't want to disturb Karen if she's asleep. Uh, And I'm just amazed that once my eyes adjust, how just a little bit of light begins to illumine the darkness. And that is absolutely true with Jesus. Just a little bit of Jesus chases away the darkness. It doesn't matter how deep the darkness is. It doesn't matter how thick the darkness is. It doesn't matter how big the darkness is spiritually. Jesus illumines the darkness. It doesn't matter how big the demon is. Jesus is greater than every demon. It doesn't matter how big the challenge is. Jesus is greater than every challenge. It's the fundamental property of Jesus as the light that he is always greater than the darkness. And when Jesus Christ is in us and he shines through us, that means the Jesus in us is greater than the darkness we are facing in our lives. And we have to remember that. One of the big challenges a lot of people have faced during this COVID crisis, a lot of Christians have faced, is they start thinking about their isolation. They start thinking about the darkness that they're encountering, maybe their sense of loneliness, uh, their, their sense of helplessness. And we forget that Jesus is in us and he shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome the Jesus in us, the Jesus who is light. The third property of light that's so very important that we see here in chapter 1, verses 9 to 13 is that light gives light to everyone who will receive it. Light gives light to everyone who will receive it. 
If you turn on a light, everybody who's willing to engage with that light will experience the light. In fact, when the light is shining, you have to work hard not to engage with it. You have to work hard to put the blinders on. For example, in the, in the summer sunshine, you know, that, that sunshine just shines on us. It gets into our eyes and everything. And we can't even avoid it unless we put on sunglasses and we put on a hat and we put on an umbrella. And so if we take effort to get away from it, then we can avoid it. But for anybody who wants to receive it, it is there to be received. And you don't have to do a lot of things to receive the light. All you have to do is open yourself to the light. And that's the reality of Jesus. Jesus is not some exclusive Lord and Savior who is there only for the few. Jesus is there for everyone who will receive him. For everyone who will believe in him. The light of Jesus Christ will shine. It's a fundamental property of Jesus as the light that he is life, that he shines in the darkness, and he is there for everyone who will receive him as light. Those are the properties of light. But what is the purpose of light? What is the purpose of light? Well, the first purpose of light is that light reveals what is really real. Light shows us the reality. It's it's the reason why a lot of us like to to be in the darkness. You know, I, I learned this a long time ago. I look a lot better in the dark than I do in the light. You know, when, when the, the light's not on and, and, uh, uh, and, and there's no mirror there, I've got dark hair. I don't, have, I don't have any wrinkles on my face. And most importantly, I've got muscles. I mean, it's amazing how fit and agile I am when the light's not on. The problem is if I turn on the light, suddenly I see, wow, where did, where did my hair get this color? It used to be dark. You know, what, what happened here? And what, what's this wrinkles on my face and everything? And, and gosh, you know, why, why is most of my arm hanging down rather than hanging up? You know, it happens. But the, we need the light because... We need to be able to see, we need to be able to see what is really real. Now, right now, we live in a world where there are a lot of gods that are competing with the one true living God. Now, Hinduism has several million gods. We have uh, 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 gods of other religions, gods that people have made up in their own minds. And even there are some people who call themselves Christians that have created a Jesus in their own minds that's quite different from the Jesus of the Scripture. And we need the light to shine so that we can see what is really true. We can see what is really real. And the light shows us that according to John, Jesus, and chapter 12, verse 44, that our faith in Jesus is faith in the one true living God. When we see Jesus, we're seeing God. And when we believe Jesus, we are believing God. And furthermore, our faith in Jesus, according to verse 45 there, our faith in Jesus enables us to even see the Father. 
We see not only God in some generic sense, but we see the personal God who loves us, who's created this world, and this God reminds us that this world He's created, it's not the permanent reality. The world we live in is transitional. The Bible is clear about that. The light of Jesus shines that, shines on that, exposes that, reveals that. Light shows us what is really real. And frankly, we need to have that kind of knowledge and what's real. Light also reveals what is hidden in darkness. I mean, when we walk in darkness, it's easy to be deceived. I can hear voices that aren't there. I can hear footsteps that aren't there. I can think that some things are true that, that are not really true. And so we need the light of Jesus to reveal what is hidden in darkness. And there's a lot of darkness around us. And Jesus will show us why the darkness is dark. You know, so often we look at things and we say, well, that doesn't seem so bad. That doesn't seem like a sin. But the light of Jesus begins to shine. And then we can see the truth about that situation. We can see a revelation of the darkness. And Jesus came so that we would not remain in the darkness. 1246. Jesus came as well to show us what God's will is by living out God's will himself so that we didn't have to be in dark about the will of God. We can look at Jesus and know that we can live our lives as Jesus lived his life because Jesus Christ is inside of us. He's working in us. He's working through us. And so Jesus shows us truly what is the will of God for our lives and how God wants, to live for, uh, wants us to live and live for him. And of course, the light also reveals to us the way ahead. Uh, I've learned that. It's so, so very important. You know, you're driving up in Scotland uh, on a nice winter night. You really need headlights and you really need bright headlights a few years ago, we were going up in January, and on the way up, we hit a little bit of a snowstorm. It, it, fortunately, the roads weren't terribly slick, but the snow was coming down, and I was amazed how dark the darkness in Scotland really is. Uh, and there were times when I felt like we could only see uh, a few meters, uh, maybe you know, two, three meters in front of the car. And when you're on Scottish roads that have turns and twists and they don't always have rails where you hope that they would have rails to keep you on the road that could be kind of scary and so I was very thankful for the headlights that I had because we need light to show us the way ahead and the light of Jesus shows us what the future is all about the light of Jesus helps us not to get lost in the present crises I mean it's, it's so easy to get so caught up about everything happening in the world with the, the virus, with the pandemic, with, with the collapse in the economy. Brexit's going to come up. And I tell you, it's going to cause some chaos for us. We need to understand all of these things are happening. And it's very easy for us to get lost in all these things. 
for us to get lost in, in, in the crises of the present moment, to get lost in what we feel at any given time. And the light of Jesus shines and points us to a reality of a future in Jesus Christ that cannot be changed, a reality that one day Jesus is coming again, he will redeem this world, and then one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And furthermore, the light of Jesus as he shines, he reminds us that our present reality is never the defining reality of our lives. In other words, with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always the possibility of a better future, a brighter future. With Jesus, we can have some sense that there is a way ahead and we can begin to see it. Now, Jesus came to save the world, as he tells us here. But Jesus also shows us that there is a judgment that is coming to the world, a judgment for those who reject Jesus. Jesus came to save the world, but he reminds us that we are accountable for how we live our lives. But Jesus also came according to what he said, that we might have eternal life by believing in him, a life which begins in the here and now. So we've got the properties of light, and we've got a bit of the purpose of light, but then there's the provocation of light. The provocation of light. Now what do I mean by this? I mean that when the light shines, we have to respond to it. When the light shines, we have to respond. Uh, one of the things I like about the wintertime in the UK is that the nights are longer. So if I have a lion, the sunlight doesn't disturb me. It's great. You know, and I can fool myself into thinking that it's not very late when it is. But when in the summertime... If the light comes through, even if I am sound asleep, I will wake up. The light wakes me up. Because light requires some kind of response. Light requires that we respond in some way. We can't, especially if we're in the darkness. I mean, if you've gotten used to the darkness, suddenly you turn on the light, you go, oh, it's so so bright, so bright. Light provokes us to a response, and we must respond to Jesus as the light. We must respond to Jesus as the light. Now, some people will respond by closing their eyes, drawing their curtains, and rejecting the light. But they can't be neutral. And more and more, the light is going to shine brighter and brighter, So that those who reject the light will have to take decisive action to do so. You won't be able to be neutral as the light shines. And we're going to see that in our world. But for us who are believers in Jesus, for us who are followers in Jesus, on the positive, the light does provoke us for a response as well. The first, according to 1235, 
the light provokes us to walk in the light, lest the darkness overtake us. One of the things about light, when you see the light, you want to move with the light, you want to follow the light, you want to walk in the light, you don't want to get caught in the darkness. And so light shining provokes us to go after the light, to follow the light, so that the darkness does not overtake us. The light also, when it shines, it provokes us as believers to believe in the light so that we can become sons of light. As I said earlier, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we believe what He's done for us in dying on the cross and rising from the dead, we, according to John in chapter 1, we receive the right to become children of God. We are children of God. We are sons of light. And the light of Jesus is in us. And the light of Jesus shines through us. Now understand, with some people, when the light of Jesus shines out of you, they hate that. But for many people, when the light of Jesus shines out, they love it and they are drawn to Jesus Christ. So as the light shines, we are provoked to believe in the light so that we can become sons of light and the light also provokes us to seek jesus diligently we need to seek jesus diligently now so much so often christians are passive in their pursuit of jesus christ we think okay i believe in jesus he died on the cross for me that's great he rose from the dead that's great i'm saved hallelujah thank you lord I'm going to go to church from time to time. Uh, I'm going to do some Christian stuff uh, because I'm a Christian. That's great. But we need to pursue Jesus as well. We cannot be passive in our Christian faith. Otherwise, the darkness will overtake us. We must seek Jesus diligently. But as we do so, we need to remember some things. We need to remember that we cannot love our lives or we will lose our lives, according to Jesus there in verse 25. It's akin to what he said earlier in his ministry when he told people, take up your cross and follow me. We cannot love our lives or we will lose our lives. We have to love light more than anything, any of the darkness. It also reminds us we have to remember that we cannot serve Jesus without actively following Jesus. Verse 26. If you don't go after Jesus, if you're not serving Him, uh, if you're going to serve Him, you've got to follow Him. You have to be His disciple, His follower. You have to learn to live your life as Jesus lives His life. We also have to remember that Jesus will often hide himself, as he did there in verse uh, 36 of chapter 12. Sometimes you're walking in the light, but you don't see Jesus. Sometimes you're walking, you're pursuing Jesus, and he seems to be not there. Sometimes he hides himself from us so that we will seek him with the promise that if we seek Him with all our heart, we will find Him. And, probably most importantly, if we're going to pursue Jesus, if we're going to seek Jesus diligently, 
we cannot love the glory that comes from people more than the glory that comes from God. You know, it's always striking to me that here you have religious leaders in the time of Jesus. Some of the, I mean, the the real leaders of the spiritual community who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, who wanted to follow Jesus with their lives, but refused to do so publicly because they were afraid what people might think. They were afraid how people might react. And it's a reminder that as we seek Jesus diligently, to seek him as the light, we cannot love the glory of people that comes from people more than the glory that comes from God. And the promise of the glory is that for all who seek Jesus, they will experience his light. Jesus has come into the world as light. And Jesus as the light is the judgment of this world. Jesus as the light casts out the ruler of this world, according to Jesus himself. Jesus as the light dispels the darkness. Jesus as the light shows us how to live. Jesus as the light is the source of life for the world. And as Jesus is lifted up, as he is glorified, as his light shines, he will draw people unto himself. And thanks be to God that Jesus' light has drawn us unto him. We praise God because Jesus came into the world as light. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you and we honor you and we worship you. Jesus, thank you for coming into the world as light, for illuminating this world, for showing us where the darkness is, for showing us how to live, for showing us the way forward, for shining in us as light so that we need not fear any darkness for giving us hope and a future, for showing all people what is really real. Jesus, you are the light, and we believe in you as light, and we love you as the light of the world. And we thank you that you came as light. Strengthen us, encourage us, and help us to live in the light of your glory all the days of our lives. We pray all this in the power of your Holy Spirit, through your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to go into another time of worship.